So the first question I'd like to ask is what role has church played in your lives that has brought life to you, has sustained you, and given you maybe firmer ground to stand on as compared to people that are without church community? Yeah, I thought right away of the old illustration of the bonfire, uh, the sticks and whatnot that were in the bonfire. Uh, they were contributing, they were part of it, but if you take one of those sticks out, what happens? It loses its flame and slowly it begins to die and it dies. So that's pretty much the way I feel, yeah. That you need the fellowship of the church, uh, the fellowship of believers, you need to uh, be part of it. And not only that, I enjoyed being part of it. It wasn't a burden to come. In fact, I do, I love to, to come to church. I love to be with God's people and to learn. Uh, it sets you up for the rest of the week, it really does. So a church is very important to me. Gathering together is God's way. It's the prescription that he laid out mm -hmm. for the church. Yeah. And when you come together, you are demonstrating the validity and the reason why he began his teaching prayer with the word, our. Mm -hmm. Our Father, not my Father. So we're not islands, we're not individuals. We are gathered together as a family under the, the banner and leadership of Christ himself. And a lot of the relationships we build here are closer than we have with our biological families too. So, so, I mean, Sunday's my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Love coming here. It's evident when I see your smile. As soon as I see you, give me that twinkle and I think, okay, is that the twinkle I need to come over and get my exhortive word? Or is that the... <laughs> so some weeks after my first husband died, I was sitting here in the congregation and we were singing. And it was hard for me to do, to sing. So someone about three seats behind me observed how I was responding. She came up, tapped me on the shoulder. She said, Sylvia, come back here and sit with us. That meant everything. Here I was kind of sitting alone, you know, dangling alone, not used to this type thing, and sitting with somebody who cared. Well, good morning. I have the privilege this morning of starting us off on our next sermon series titled Words of the Wise. If you'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we'll be there in just a few moments. That's going to be our main text for today um, as we dive into God's Word. A few weeks back, Pastor Tony and I had the privilege of sitting down with the wonderful people you just saw in this video and filming this interview. 
throughout that time, we asked four important questions and just listened to the answers. And over the course of the next four weeks, you're going to get to hear some of those answers. Those questions we asked are, what has, been be what has being part of the church over the years taught you about its importance? That's where we'll be today, what I'll be talking about. Next week, Tony will be taking question two, how has the word of God been vital to you as you journeyed through life? The third question is, what have you learned about navigating change throughout life? And the final question is, what are some common practices and experiences that have helped you grow closer to Christ? I was so blessed to get to sit there and listen to their profound answers, see their love for the church come through as we talked. If you're interested, a longer 15-minute version of each of those questions will be available on our church website. Uh, the one for today will be up there later this afternoon. So, most of you know me over the past eight years that I've been here as one of the youth pastors at LEFC. Just two weeks ago, I stepped into a new role as Connections Pastor. As part of the transition of roles, Tony asked me to preach this morning on a subject that does tie in really well with what I'm going to get to do going forward, the role and importance of the church in a believer's life. In our bumper video, you heard from these members of our body who many of you know them well, as they shared what the church has meant to them throughout their years. There were some very common themes that we're going to explore today and look at a little bit um, through that time. So throughout my time in youth ministry here at LEFC, I got to help lead a, some significant change with our ministry, the whole structure. About five years ago, I think we got to a place where we could truthfully say that we were a life group-based model of ministry. Life groups became very core to what we did uh, they really drove our ministry forward. If you ask any of our students here at the church, any of our crossover students, about their life groups, I'm pretty sure you're going to get an enthusiastic answer. They're very well received. Students find a lot of life in them. We have some phenomenal adults leading those life groups and pouring into our students' lives. But there's a statistic out there in youth pastor circles that 60% or more of teenagers who grew up in the church will leave the church once they graduate from high school. That's a horribly depressing statistic. And it's a really bad indicator of the success of youth ministry in America. I did not, I desperately did not want that to be true of the teenagers that we have in our body here at LEFC. Gratefully, I don't think it is, and my prayer is that it won't be going forward. So as we shifted our model of ministry, we wanted to find out how we can combat this statistic of 60% of kids walking away from the church. And life groups became our weapon against that. I wholeheartedly believe that the more adults that are investing into the lives of a teenager, a middle school or a high school student on a regular basis, the more likely that student will stay invested in the local church after they graduate from high school. However, I don't think that this method holds true only for teenagers. I think it's true for any of us believers in the church. The more believing brothers and sisters that you have investing into your life, the more likely you are to be an integral part of the local body. Think about the first time you ever came through the doors of LEFC or any other local church. My guess is that the churches that greeted you warmly, that multiple people showed interest in who you are and in your family, are the churches that you left with positive impressions about. And then you stay at that church when you form relationships and connections with other people there. 
So this is one of my main points for this morning, that one of the signs of a healthy church is a church where its people feel like they are belonging, or like they belong, and are part of a family. As we jump into this today, would you pray with me? Well, Father, thank you for the church, for your church, for our local body here at LEFC. I'm grateful for my brothers and sisters sitting in the rows with us this morning, and I pray that as we open your word to see what your instructions are to the church, that we will leave encouraged and encouraging each other. In your name I pray, amen. So as we turn to the book of Hebrews, it is a really interesting, unique book. We actually have no idea who the author of Hebrews is. There's been some debate over the centuries and different names thrown out there, but never one name settled on with wide recognition as the author of Hebrews. But ultimately, that doesn't matter. We know it is the word of God, divinely inspired by the Spirit. And as you read through the pages of Hebrews, you can see how Jesus-focused this book is. That's going to be evident also in the text that we are about to read today. The long-standing belief is that the book, the author of Hebrews wrote this book to a Hebrew or a Jewish audience. They, these people understood the history of the Jewish people, the people of Israel. They understood their traditions and what it meant to be a child of God. Leading up to Hebrews 10, the author has just finished giving reasoning that Jesus is greater than the Mosaic law and is now in, transitioning to an encouragement to endure and pursue Christ. No longer are sacrifices needed because Jesus has already paid the eternal price. So will you read with me Hebrews chapter 10? We'll be in verses 19 to 25. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So as we look at this passage, notice that it starts off with brothers and sisters. Throughout the video that opened our sermon, we saw this idea of family referred to as a number of times when talking about the local church. I think that the author of Hebrews, as he's getting ready to talk about the church, is very intentionally using familial language because family is something that we can all relate to. My family is here with me today to see me preach, and as I reflect back on my growing up years as the part of the Travis family, there were many blessings. I have two parents who love the Lord and love each other, I have two younger brothers who shared many similar interests with me, whether it was playing baseball in the backyard or street hockey out in the cul-de-sac or building bunny forts under the large pine trees out front, even though we never actually caught any rabbits. I knew that my family loved me, provided for me, and prayed for me. But the reality is, that may not be the case for all of you sitting here today. Family has been hard, 
and not necessarily a place of safety and trust. However, Hebrews 10 tells us that we have a Father who desires us, and we can be assured of that. When we understand who we are in Christ, as his son or his daughter, we understand that we are part of the family of God. And just like in an earthly family, there are privileges and blessings that come along with that. Care, respect, inheritance, among many other things. In this family, we are brothers and sisters. So sitting here today in these rows, we are more than just friends. We are family. Greg Heisey in the video this morning shared a profound observation of when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, how did he begin? Our Father who art in heaven. He was acknowledging that all, we are all children of the same Father, the Heavenly Father who gives good gifts to his children. As we look further into this passage, we're given a flashback to Old Testament practice in relation to drawing near to God. The people of Israel did not have access to the Holy of Holies, which was the place in the temple or the tabernacle where the presence of God resided. That was reserved for only the high priest and only then on an annual basis. But now, through the blood of Christ, the curtain separating us from the presence of God is removed. Jesus removed our barrier. Very physically, during his death, the curtain that separated the people of Israel from God's presence in the Holy of Holies was torn apart. Since his blood washed us pure and atoned for our sins, when we approach the Father, we can do so with sincerity and assurance, as it says in Hebrews 10. The Levitical priests could only enter the Holy of Holies once per year and had to be so careful when doing so. For us, through Christ, the Father welcomes us into his presence and all of his children are now welcome, not just the high priest. The original audience of this book understood this history, and now they're being encouraged to embrace a new and living way referred to in verse 10. That new and living way is none other than Jesus. So coming before our Heavenly Father, if we believe in the work of Christ, we have nothing to prove. We can, be sure as our, we can be sure of our standing before him as treasured sons and daughters. That held true for the Jewish believers of the first century, and it holds just as true for us today. Now, holding on to these truths, there are responsibilities that come along with being brothers and sisters in this family. I'd like to use the rest of our time this morning to look at three key areas that finish out this passage that we read that give us instruction on how to live as brothers and sisters in the family of God. The first responsibility of the church is to exhort each other to draw near to God and hold each other accountable to that. This morning already you've heard this word exhort two different times. Chip Mershon used it and Tony used it in our video. What does it mean to exhort someone? I think it's a practice that we've lost a little bit in the church. There's an urgency to exhortation. It's pushing someone urgently towards something. It's not a physical push, though, much like my two-year-old daughter does every single night after we finish dinner and I'm standing at the sink washing dishes and she desperately wants to go to the playground and trying to push me out the door to go down the slide or go on the swings. And while it's not a physical push like that, it's a good analogy of what exhortation is. It's urging each other to run after something. And for us in the church, 
That something is a relationship with our Father. We need to be urgently challenging each other in our pursuit of God and checking in on each other through that. He is what brings us together, so why should we, he not be the person that we urgently pursue together? Would you turn with me to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8? Titus 2, 1 through 8. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So here in Paul's writing to Titus, He's instructing the church on how to exhort each other daily, for daily right living. The monikers of older men, older women, younger women, younger men, may also refer to maturity in the faith, not necessarily in age. So there is something we all have to be striving for, regardless of where we are. Hebrews 10.24, looking back, says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is precisely what Hebrews 2, or Titus 2, what we just read, is laying out. Turn with me to John chapter 13. In John 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and talking to them about how the world will know that they are his. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus has called us to be his disciples. And as his disciples, our desire should be that the world would see Christ through us by the way that we love each other. Our mission statement here at LEFC is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So what is a disciple? We define it as someone who loves God, loves people, lives truth, and proclaims Jesus. These are four tangible things that we can exhort each other to do. Let's urgently push each other to love God deeper, love people boldly, live truth publicly and privately, and proclaim Jesus always. There's also a level of accountability to this exhortation. If we're to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we must do this in community. We just finished up our series through the fruit of the Spirit. Thinking back on them, these fruit are not natural, instinctual human characteristics. They are characteristics of the Father, though. As we grow in our faith and exhort each other to draw near to God, those fruits show up in our lives. They begin to bubble out of us as we draw closer to the Lord. 
So true, a Christian, true Christian accountability is urging one another towards growth in Christ. So often our accountability groups merely consist of helping each other fight sin. That's good, but it's not enough. Only helping each other to resist sin is only managing the symptoms. We have to go a step beyond that and push each other towards something. That something is the Father. The closer that we are to God, the easier resisting sin and temptation becomes. And this is for all believers, for everyone in the church. The elders of LEFC, the pastors, the deaconesses, Kidman shepherds, the cafe team, each one of you sitting in these rows today. We all need someone to exhort us to draw near to the Father and hold us accountable to that. Too often, we think that leadership of the church doesn't need accountability in this, that they know how to walk closely with the Lord and are good on their own. That's not true. We all need it, regardless of where we are. There have been three men throughout my life over the past 15 years that held significant spiritual leadership over me. Without them, to be honest, I may not be standing in the role that I am today. But over the past decade, each of these men has fallen into significant sin that forced them out of the leadership position that they held. Two of them were senior pastors of pretty large churches, and the other was a director of a large Christian camp. As more of each story came out, it became clear that none of them were allowing other believers to have a look into their lives. As they stopped urgently pursuing the Father, sin crept in and blossomed. I have firsthand seen the destruction that the lack of accountability can cause because the heart is sinful. For that reason, I set up accountability structures in my own life. And as I've been preparing for this sermon, it's caused me to think a little bit deeper about what that means for me and how that looks. I want the people in my circle to be able to ask me the hard questions that reveal where I am with the Lord so that they can exhort me to turn away from sin and towards the Father. No one is beyond the need for exhortation to draw near to the Father. And as brothers and sisters, we have a responsibility to do this for each other. The next responsibility of the church in Hebrews chapter 10 is regular gathering. Looking back at verse 25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Without gathering regularly, how can we ever exhort each other or hold each other accountable? We'll have no idea what's going on in each other's lives. In our video this morning, Gordon Dursler showed the analogy of sticks in a fire. I had never heard this analogy before, but it is spot on. How many of you have ever made a campfire at some point in your life? Yeah, probably most of you. I remember that as a kid, or even today, uh, finishing roasting the marshmallows that I'm gonna be eating and taking my stick that I'm roasting on and sticking it back in the fires deep down into the coals and embers to light the end of it on fire. And then very maturely pulling it out and maybe waving it around to cause some little, in the air, the dark sky, you have some design or uh, try to see how long you can keep the flame lit on the end of that stick. But no matter how hard I tried to keep that flame lit, within a minute or two, it always goes out, that ember always goes black. It takes many sticks to get a good fire going, and if you pull one stick out, the fire is gonna to continue to burn. However, that one that you pull out and put to the side, on its own, cannot maintain the burn. It's going to 
burn out. It's going to go cold and die. That holds true for each member of the family of God. If you remove yourself from the regular gathering of believers, you lose the necessary community to spur you on towards love and good deeds. Now, COVID has been an incredibly difficult, tough season for the church. We may do for a while, while via the online live stream services, but there's a reason that Pastor Tony has been so bold in calling us back to gathering in person. We need it. You've probably felt it. Don't let the excuse of convenience keep you away from the regular gathering of believers. We all need you, too. Like our passage says, don't let skipping out on the church or Christian community become a habit in your life. So we've now seen the first two responsibilities of the body of believers. They are to exhort each other to draw near to God and to gather regularly. The final instruction for, this church, for the church in this section of Hebrews 10 is encouraging each other. Let's turn a little bit earlier in Hebrews to chapter 3. I'd like to read Hebrews 3, 12 to 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Again, here in Hebrews, we're seeing the language of family, brothers and sisters, and it begins with an instruction for us to not let sin turn us away from God. We've just talked about how to avoid doing that together. In order to fight the stranglehold of sin, we are to encourage each other daily. The third responsibility, encouragement. This passage is summarizing everything that we've been looking at. Encourage each other every day in regular gathering to draw near to God so that sin will not harden your heart and turn it away from him. We probably all have people in our lives that when we think of encouragers, they immediately pop to mind. There is a number of you sitting here today that would fit into that category when I think of people who are great and encouraging. It comes naturally to you to affirm other people or to see the gifts that God has given to somebody else and affirm them in them. We need people like you in this body. But those people alone cannot carry the responsibility of encouragement. Just as we are all called to exhort each other and we are all called to gather regularly, we are all called to encourage. Like the fruit of the Spirit, encouragement is often not our first instinct. Instead, it can be criticism. LEFC is a large church. We have a large staff with many leaders. We are also all sinful humans and flawed leaders. The leaders that you interact with, and on a smaller level, the people in your ABF or in your life group, are going to make decisions that you wouldn't always make. Often, our first reaction in those situations is to criticize. And even if we don't speak it aloud, we think it. Over time, that criticism in our hearts can lead to bitterness. Bitterness breaks down trust, and when trust is lost, there's division. When we look around our society today, there's division everywhere. It's been a theme of America over the past year and a half. 
This group doesn't trust that group, and this leader is criticizing that leader. The church should be different than that. LEFC, in all reality, will probably never look or feel like your dream church because number one, its leaders are not Jesus, and number two, they are not you. <laughs> we look to Jesus, but we still all fall short. But as a family, let's commit to encouragement before criticism. This isn't to say that there's not a time or a place for concerns to be voiced. There absolutely are. But let's do that differently than our culture does it. The way we act should reflect Christ, so let's agree and disagree in unity as we build each other up and exhort each other towards God. Again, as Jesus said in John chapter 13, the world, the society that is divided, will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love each other. So there are three responsibilities. Exhortation, gathering, and encouragement. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but a church that does these things will be well on their way to being a community that is a family. As we leave today, I would like to leave you with a few takeaways. First, are you part of the family of God? If you aren't, we would love to welcome you in. If you don't know what a relationship with the Father looks like and how you can be assured of that, we want to talk with you. The blood of Jesus has removed the barrier that separates you from approaching the Father. He desires you, but you must be willing to hand over control of your life to him. There's people sitting around you, maybe the people that came with you today, that would love to have that conversation. At the close of our service, I will be up here. There will be people back in our encounter room in the back left of the auditorium. Come talk to us. Pray with us. We would love to invite you into this family. Number two, if you are a part of this family, are you actively exhorting, gathering with, and encouraging your brothers and sisters? In a family, everyone pitches in. Each member has a role to play in serving and helping others belong. Every single one of you here today, watching online, listening on the radio, has a role to play. What is yours? Please don't sit on the sidelines. When you do, you rob yourself of the privileges that are found in Christian community, and you also rob those around you of what you have to offer based on how God has uniquely gifted you. Third, maybe you don't feel like you belong and are part of the family. We hope that LEFC can be a place where you find belonging. I recognize that some of you here today may have hurt in your background that comes at the hands of the church or of a church leader. That breaks my heart. But even if it takes time as you heal, we want you to be here. One of the ways that we're going to start addressing this is in a couple of weeks, September 22nd, on Wednesday nights, we'll be launching a new ministry called Connect Group. Connect Group is open to anyone. It's the place, whether you've been here for 25 years or just walked in the doors today, that if you're looking for community or to refine community, we want you there. Out of that time, we'll get to know each other. Hopefully, we'll be able to launch new life groups and help you find what you're looking for in the body of Christ, identify your gifts, and help you connect with us here at LEFC. So be looking for more information on that in the coming weeks. And the final takeaway today, who can you invite into the family?
We use this word oikos here a lot. Oikos are the 8 to 15 people that God has supernaturally placed into your sphere of influence on a daily basis. So my question to you is, are you leveraging your relationships within your oikos for the sake of the gospel? Invite your oikos to experience the family of God with us here at LEFC. So as we finish this morning, would you all please stand with me? In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for believers, of which you and I are a part of that family if you have repented of your sins and placed your trust in him alone for salvation. I'd like to read a little bit of that prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. He's speaking about his disciples. I pray also for those, which is us, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is praying for our unity as a family so that the world may know him. As you go this week, go exhorting each other and encouraging each other daily so that the world that will know that we are his and we are together. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, if you'd like to see more of the interview that showed at the beginning, the full 15-minute version of that will be available on our website at lefc.net or on our Facebook page this afternoon. And if you have any prayer requests, would like to get connected, or are joining us for the first time, please take a minute to fill out the connection card in your bulletin. The prayer requests that you write on there, we as a staff pray for them daily throughout the week, and it's such a blessing to be able to pray for you. With that in mind, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your word and what it contains in teaching us how to live, how to exhort each other, encourage each other, and the reminder to daily gather together. So I pray that these would be three practices that define us, they would define our individual selves and would define our church. I pray for each person sitting here this morning that they would be drawn to you through your word and through community. In your name I pray, amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>